you so much. Santa was here. I know him. I love it. So we are continuing our series here at Homestead uh, called Through the Valley. So we're taking a few weeks to just talk about mental illness, to talk about um, some of the struggles that many of us will go through in different seasons of our life. And both Jeff and I have shared over the last couple of weeks that we really feel like this is an important topic that we talk about, that we talk about mental health issues because they affect so many people's lives. And I think a lot of times people don't know um, if they're alone. You can feel really isolated. Sometimes you feel like you're the only one going through that. And as a church, we really believe that part of why God puts us in the body of Christ is so that we can support and love one another and be there for one another. And that doesn't happen if you're hiding. It doesn't happen if you feel like you're the only one going through something. And so we really want to take the time to just talk about some of these issues. And Jeff and I um, have talked about that this has affected our family personally. Both him and I have struggled at times with depression or anxiety or burnout. And we have had to do the hard work to try and get through that. And the Lord has been with us. We've walked through depression and anxiety with our kids on a very serious level, and it was years of struggle for us, and these struggles can be exhausting, overwhelming, and a lot of times you can feel like you're alone, but we want you to know today that you are not alone, and that we are with you, and that God is with you, and he is going to help you through these seasons, and the, th the reality of the, the really hard thing about struggles with mental health is that they're ongoing struggles, right? They really seem to go on um, from time to time to time. Most of the time, mental health issues don't just suddenly come on like you get a cold and then it's like all of a sudden you have it and then you kind of treat it and the next thing you know, it's gone. A lot of times these things, um, it's a slow descent or, or issues that take a long time to even become aware of and it is a long road of healing and recovery. One statistic I read this week by the National Alliance on Mental Illness was this. The average delay between the onset of mental illness symptoms and someone seeking treatment is 11 years. 11 years. From the onset of when I think something's going on, you start to see those symptoms, and by the time it gets to the point where someone is willing to seek treatment, most of the time it is 11 years. That is a long time. And when we're dealing with these things long term, there is a fatigue that begins to set in. There's an exhaustion that begins to set in. Whether you're dealing with your own struggles or loving and supporting a family member who is struggling, it becomes an all-encompassing struggle for families. You keep pouring out and you're trying to figure out what to do next and how to help and it can be exhausting. And not only are people dealing with mental health issues on their own that take significant time and energy, but listen, the stress and the strife of the last couple of years has taken its toll on all of us, right? Can we all agree that? We have had all these things going on, and when um, we've had a global pandemic, we've had racial tensions, elections, polarizing issues, financial stresses, work stresses. Many of you are doing the jobs of two or three people, or you've had cuts at work. Many of us are dealing with uh, childcare issues with COVID and quarantine and school coming and going and coming and going, right? So the stress has just been building up and building up and building up and building up. And collectively, I think we are all feeling that fatigue, right? When all of these things started, there was a level of adrenaline of kind of like, okay, 
we're in crisis mode. We're all going to get in here. We're going to work hard. And um, we all started baking bread and going for walks. And we were like, you know, we were patient. We were trying to keep a good attitude. We were trying to like, you know, it's just temporary. It's just short term. I can do this for a while. We were polite to each other. Oh, no, no, you take the, you know. But as time has gone on, that maybe has changed a little bit, right? The adrenaline wanes, and we're just left tired and frustrated and annoyed. I remember even saying, I, I just don't want to do this anymore. I'm just so tired of this constant state of stress. We can get moody and irritable and frustrated. We're longing for just a sense of normalcy, to not have that constant state of alert that something might change tomorrow, and all of a sudden i got to start over and figure out what I'm going to do next. And honestly, the fatigue of sickness, of loss, of grief, it is hard to carry these things for a short season, let alone a long season. And I think we are collectively feeling that as people. This summer I read an article by psychologist Adam Grant, and he talked about this blah that we're all feeling. He called it a word, the word languishing. He said it's if we were looking at mental health on the spectrum of over here is flourishing, energetic, you're motivated, you're just, you know, you're doing new things, you you're, uh, feel excited about life. And over here is depression where you are unmotivated, you feel worthless and hopeless. Right in between this middle ground is what he called languishing. And he said it's not necessarily like you're depressed, but you're not motivated. It's not like I can't get out of bed, but it's kind of like, but I'm not very excited about anything anyway. And he talked about languishing is where a lot of people are right now. And he said the thing about languishing is it's a slow descent. You don't feel the dulling of your delight, of your excitement for life. And people who are not cautious when they're in languishing can very easily end up in depression. And so it's something that we need to be aware of. You might not think, I'm not all the way over here, but you might think, but I don't feel great. And so taking the time now to say, what do I need to do to help me get through this season? When I read that article this summer uh, about what we were collectively feeling as a society, it reminded me of a story in Scripture found in Ezekiel chapter 37. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there with me today. This passage shares a vision that the Lord has given the prophet Ezekiel during a terrible time in Israel's history. The people's hearts were far away from the Lord. They had been conquered by the Babylonians and carried off into exile. They had lost everything, and they were collectively grieving. This is what was going on in the lives of the people when the Lord comes, and he gives this vision to Ezekiel. Now, Ezekiel was a prophet for the people of Israel, and so God had a message for them. So he gives Ezekiel this vision, and here's what it says in Ezekiel chapter 37. The Lord took a hold of me, and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord into a valley filled with bones. He led me all around among the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dried out. Then he asked me, son of man, can these bones become living people again? Oh, sovereign Lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to that. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I am going to put breath into you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscle on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life. 
Then you will know that I am the Lord. I spoke this message just as he told me. Suddenly as I spoke, there was a rattling noise all across the valley. The bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. Then as I watched, muscles and flesh formed over the bones. Then skin formed to cover the bodies, but they still had no breath in them. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to the winds, son of man. Speak a prophetic message and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath from the four winds, breathe into these dead bodies so they may live again. So I spoke the message as he commanded me, and breath came into their bodies. They all came to life and stood up on their feet, a great army. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones represent the people of Israel. They are saying, we have become old dry bones. All hope is gone. Our nation is finished. Therefore, prophesy to them and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Oh, my people, I will open your graves of exile and cause you to rise again. Then I will bring you back to the land of Israel. When this happens, oh, my people, you will know that I am the Lord. I will put my spirit in you and you will live again and return to your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken, and I have done what I said. Yes, the Lord has spoken. So the Lord gives Ezekiel this vision, this vision of a valley just filled with bones. And then he asks him a question. Ezekiel, can these bones live again? Can these bones live again? This is a great question, right? We can ask ourselves that question. Lord, will we get through this time? as a society and get back to a place where things feel hopeful and joyful and light and less confrontational? Will we get through this time? Will the collective tension that we are all feeling finally settle and there will be a lightness and a joy in our communities, in our schools, in our families? And then we'll look at personally at our lives and say, God, are we going to get through this? Are we going to get to the other side of these struggles that we have? We can look at ourselves personally. Lord, will I feel motivated? Will I feel excited and energetic again? God, will my kids overcome this anxiety that they are going through? Lord, will I feel some kind of margin in my life where I'm not just managing all these shifting expectations? It's a good question. Will these bones live again? I think that we can all relate that we are feeling this weariness, this dryness described here in Ezekiel. Just a valley full of bones, people who were once full of energy, flourishing, excited about the future, who now just kind of feel dry and empty. And I love Ezekiel's response to the Lord's question. He says, God asks him, Ezekiel, can these bones live again? And Ezekiel says, only you know, Lord. I love that it's kind of like he doesn't give the Sunday school answer like, of course these bones can live again. Of course, God. Obviously, I believe that you can do that. No, you can tell that things are bad. And you can tell that things have been bad for a while because his response is, I don't know. I don't know. Only you know, Lord. Is it possible? I don't know. And honestly, as I was preparing this message and reading this and praying about this idea of, Lord, can you bring us back to life? Can you 
restore what has been broken? Can you put together all these pieces that right now feel like we're just staring at this valley of bones and it feels overwhelming to look at it? Do I believe you, Lord, that you can bring these bones back to life? Honestly, when I'm honest, I look at it and go, only you know, Lord. Because it feels like too much. It feels so big. It feels like so many things working against us. So I love that he is at least honest with God. But I also love that the Lord responds to him, to his uncertainty with a promise. In verse 4 he said, Speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, Dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I am going to put breath into you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. God starts with a prophetic word to these bones. Now, what does that mean when I say a prophetic word? What does a prophecy mean? It means to speak something out by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that God puts something inside that you speak to be true. It means to declare that something is true, even though it hasn't happened yet. It's focusing on a promise from God and believing it, even though you cannot see it with your own eyes yet. God starts with a prophetic word and he tells Ezekiel, prophesy, say this is true because I need you to believe it. Say this out loud. Bones, God is going to bring you back to life. He's going to put flesh on you and then he's going to breathe life back into you. Prophesy it. Say that it's true even though you can't see it yet. So let's start there today, right? Let's start with that. Even in our unbelief, even if we today can only say, only you know, Lord. Could we start by believing and saying out loud, can you hear this prophecy over your life today? Over the lives of your kids, over the lives of your family and friends, over the hearts and the minds of our communities who are feeling this same languishing and fatigue that we are and yet don't have the faith to sustain them and encourage them. Can you hear him today speaking that promise over something that you can't see yet with your own eyes? And yet God is promising it to be true. Hear the word of the Lord. You will live again. You will be filled with breath. You will be filled with life. God is going to do something amazing. So before he even starts this miracle, he tells them in advance what he's going to do. And then he gets to work. This miracle was a two-step process, and that's what I want to spend a little bit of time on today. The first thing he does is he puts them back together in their bodies, and then he breathes new life into them. Let's look at those two things for a second. First, God put the bodies back together. Verse 7, so I spoke this message just as he told me. Suddenly as I spoke, there was a rattling noise all across the valley, and the bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. Then as I watched, muscles and flesh formed over those bones. Then skin formed to cover the bodies, but they still had no breath. The first miracle was a very practical miracle. He literally put the bodies back together again, right? He fixed all the pieces that had broken apart. And I believe that that's part of how God is going to bring back life into us. There's a very real practical component to help us work 
through all these issues we've been talking about for the past couple weeks, through depression or anxiety or burnout or languishing, it rarely just goes away without addressing some of the real practical things that are going on. And when God, I say that God put the bodies back together, I mean that in the most holistic sense. God will help you figure out what physical issues might be going on in you that are affecting you, whether that's a chemical imbalance, whether it's an illness, whether it's the physical effects of this season that we have been in. But God will also holistically help you deal with your emotional issues, the things going on in your mind that might be affecting you, your anxieties, your fears, your brain's reaction to, and, uh, and protective instincts to help you deal with long-term stresses. If you missed Jeff's message last week, make sure you go back and listen. It was so good about how God helps us renew our minds and dig new trenches and new ways of thinking. And that this protective thing that our brains have that are supposed to help us learn things quicker can actually, over the long term, of uh, when we're in stressful situations, start to get us to think in a certain way. So there are very real things that we have to do. God knows exactly what practical steps you need to do to help you put everything back together. So that's the first thing. First thing he does is he puts back together their bodies, practically speaking. And then, number two, then he breathes new life into them. Right? Verse 9 says, he says to me, speak a prophetic message to the wind, son of man. Speak a prophetic message and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath from the four winds. Breathe into these dead bodies so they may live again. There is a spiritual component that the Spirit of God will come into you and bring life back into you. And here's the reality. The body and bones and flesh had all been put back together, but they were still dead. They weren't alive until the Spirit of God breathed life into them. The power of the Holy Spirit is what takes dry, dead people and fills them again with life and joy. It's the power of the Holy Spirit in us. When the Holy Spirit fills you up, it's like breath filling up your dry, empty lungs, and you can feel the life entering every part of you. There have been days in my life where I know the only thing that got me out of bed, that got me to care for my kids, to got me to go to work, to make it through the day, to deal with whatever issue, was the Holy Spirit absolutely breathing life into my body and my mind and my soul. You know how I know that? Because it was not in me to do. I did not have it in me to do. And yet in the morning when I laid there, I would say, Holy Spirit, I just need you. I know. I can prophesy to say, I know you are able to fill me with life and joy and everything I need for this day. But you have to do it because it is not in me to do today. So the Holy Spirit will pour his life and breath into you. Our gracious God will pour breath into you. Romans 8.11 says, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same spirit living in you. So the Holy Spirit will breathe new life into you. So how do we live lives that are filled with the Spirit? How do we allow that breath to fill us up? Two quick words. The first is to believe. 
right? We have to believe it. Believe the promise that God has spoken over you. Believe that he will do what he has promised. The great thing about believing is believing doesn't take any energy. Believing doesn't take any action. So when you're feeling exhausted, to be able to just lay your head on the pillow and go, I just believe. I just believe you are strong enough to do this in me, right? Believing can be done in your weakest moments and in your worst days. Because believing doesn't mean figuring out how he's going to do it. Believing doesn't somehow mean manufacturing the breath of God in your lungs. Believing just means you trust that God is big enough to do it. So we believe. And the second is then we ask. We ask. God has promised to do it, but there is something over and over in Scripture that says, open up your mouth and ask me for it. Ask me. Acknowledge that you need me. There's something powerful about saying, I don't know how to do this, God, but I need you to come and I need you to fill me up. Start your day by saying, Holy Spirit, give me the strength and the joy I need to do my job today. Open your mouth and say, Holy Spirit, I don't know how to parent these kids today. I don't know how to deal with this issue. I'm overwhelmed. I feel so foggy and confused. I don't have the energy to do it. But I thank you that you've promised you will fill me up. Speak it out with your words. Now, how do you know if that's working, right? How do you know if the Spirit is breathing life into you? Well, Galatians tells us exactly what the Holy Spirit does when he comes into our life. It says that he produces fruit in us. So if the Holy Spirit is filling you up every day, you will see in your life love. You will see joy. You will see peace. You will see patience. It will be there. You will see kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. When you see those things evident in your life, the Holy Spirit is at work. Right? It doesn't have to be fully formed. Right? A tiny little tomato plant is still a tomato plant. It's still there, right? It might just be a new bud. It might just be coming. But it's there if the Holy Spirit is alive and working. And also, the reverse is also opposite, or is also true, right? When you don't see these things evident in your life, you might need a little more of the Holy Spirit, right? This lack of joy, this lack of peace, this lack of patience, this lack of goodness... We need more of the Holy Spirit. And that's the crazy thing about fruit, right? Fruit doesn't make itself grow. It just gets planted and has a healthy plant, and it's planted in good soil, and it's tapped into the root, and the fruit just shows up. I think a lot of us are trying to produce our own fruit. In the midst of a dry season, we're like, I'm just going to have joy today. (laughs) Going to have it. It's like... Gonna, it's going gonna, it's gonna to come, I know it. And we're trying to produce something that we are not very good at producing. And yet, if we root ourselves down into the soil of the Holy Spirit and focus on nurturing that plant, joy is going to come. The Holy Spirit will grow that in you. The peace is going to come. The patience is going to come. You're not going to try and love people. You just are going to love people. You're not going to try and be joyful. You're just going to have joy that comes out of you. So today I believe that the Lord is speaking that prophetic word over us today. Listen, it's going to be okay. I am going to breathe new life into you. I am going to, if you root into me, if you just allow your focus to be on the Holy Spirit filling you every day, I will breathe new life into you. 
As we wrap up today, we have a really special guest that I have asked to come to give us uh, a little insight. Um, Mike Kerstetter is one of our homestead family, um, and he is a licensed counselor. He actually works at Life Stance uh, as a professional counselor, and he focuses on kids and teenagers. He also is a counselor for kids and families in the foster care system, and he does family therapy with them. And so I said, Mike, could you come and share a little bit about how we can help our kids with some of these things that we've been talking about? These dry seasons, things that we're going through. I know uh, for a lot of us, kids struggle with anxiety, kids struggle with these issues, and as a parent, it's always, uh, you know, sometimes it's really difficult to know how to help, and so um, I've invited Mike to come and share a little bit. He also wanted me to let you know, uh, as I introduced him, that he is a mediocre golfer with a lot of potential, and that he can do the worm. Thank you. Thank you. Completely an unnecessary introduction, but I appreciate it, and I had nothing to do with that whatsoever. Um, and, and speaking of which, if you're a mediocre golfer that just needs to hit some bad shots with someone, please give me a call. I'm looking for golf buddies. I could use that. Yeah, so before we get into what we can do for kids and teenagers who are really struggling with, with, with mental health and mental health concerns, I want to address some things about the valley. And I think sometimes we get in the habit of, if we picture a valley, usually there are, are tall places or mountains beside it. I think we get in the habit of thinking that God is on top of the mountain and we're in the valley and he's just waiting for us to figure it out. And that's just not the case whatsoever. Uh, it is his delight and his pleasure to be able to walk with you through the valley, no matter what it is that you're going through. And I think sometimes it's easy to berate ourselves because God is so holy and so perfect and we feel like he has these standards that we can't meet and he's just waiting for us to figure it out. And that's just not the case whatsoever. And here's another cool thing is that he thinks he's getting the best end of the deal by being able to walk with you through the valley. Uh, another thing that I would mention, too, is that sometimes when we're in the valley, we spend so much time looking back, wondering how we got in the valley in the first place, that we're not looking forward about how we can, how we can walk through the valley. And God is more concerned about where you're going than, than where you've been. Uh, and how I practice in, in my counseling is that's one of the first things we focus on, is not beating yourself up for the way you feel or where you're at, but focusing on how you can move forward rather than looking back and where you've been. Because if you're so focused on looking back, you're not going to have any time and energy to look forward. Okay, so we're talking about kids and teenagers and, and mental health, and there has been a steady increase in uh, symptoms like anxiety and depression in, in kids and teenagers. And this has been a trend that has really been or that we have been seeing for the uh, last number of years. And COVID has certainly exacerbated that. Uh, but it's something that we've been, we've been seeing for quite some time. And uh, I could get into a lot of the reasons as to why uh, that is the case. Uh, and we can do that for another time, maybe a class sometime if this goes well. I guess we'll see. If there's no class, then you'll know what, you'll, you'll have your answer. <laughs> um, there you go. Put you on the spot there, Christy. No, uh, one of the things that we can do as parents, and you know what? This isn't even just for parents either. Kids, you have schoolmates. You can use this for your schoolmates. Uh, in the workforce, you can use this for, for your coworkers. Uh, and that is the idea of attunement. So attunement is understanding the deep motivation, desires, and the needs that 
that others have, and in the context of parenting, uh, it's for your children. What are their motivations? What are their desires? What are their deep needs? So in communication, what we have is a primary message uh, that is being communicated that we can see, uh, what you're hearing right now, and then the deep underlying motivations, desires. Like my motivation and desire right now is for all of you to affirm me and how great of a job I'm doing, <laughs> right? There you go. There's your first example. But in your kids, what are those motivations, desires, and needs that they are communicating? And they're not, they're not palpable. There are things that take some uh, inquisition. They take some research. It takes uh, time to discover what those are. Uh, and so I want to give you an example of kind of what that looks like practically just in a hypothetical situation. So imagine you're the parents of a boy or girl uh, with depression, and your quick response is to just, just figure it out, just pray, just read your Bible, do whatever you need to, okay? Now, if we are practicing attunement, and it's very important, parents, that you and, and worker or, or schoolmate, whatever you are, that you are able to be attuned to yourself. Because if you're not attuned to yourself, the, those needs, those desires, those motivations are going to come out in your parenting. And, and typically when that occurs, it usually comes with a quick response that is typically to the detriment of our kids or our, or our relationships. So here's this hypothetical situation. You're a parent of a teenage girl or boy with depression. Here's parents, the response is to quickly fix it. And here's my, what might be going on uh, with parent A. You might be feeling like you did something wrong as a parent to cause the child suffering. Therefore, if the child's issues go away, then your guilt and shame will go away. How about another one? You believe that the child is a reflection of you, and if your child is suffering, then it makes you look bad as a parent. Here's the last one. We're afraid that we won't be able to fix the problem our child is experiencing, and we're afraid uh, of our own lack of competence. Those are some of the underlying needs and motivations and, and desires that we need to be aware of as parents, as coworkers, as friends, as grandparents, uh, so we can attune to the needs of our kids. Here's another example. I have a beautiful wife. I have two amazing kids. I have a two-year-old son who is amazing. He's loud. He's great. He's loud. He's uh, fun. He's really loud. Um, I'm sure many of you have heard him. Uh, and if you haven't, you will. I can guarantee you. But we had just been attending this church, and of course you want to make a good impression for your fellow churchmates, right? Like, I need to be uh, relatable and, and nice, and people want to hang out with me. Um, that's what we want. And so we want our kids to be a good reflection of us, right? And so one, one Sunday morning, uh, my son, who had a, a difficult time transitioning uh, into the nursery for whatever reason, uh, attunement clearly isn't working there, but we're working on it. Um, we were walking down the stairs, and all of a sudden, for whatever reason, he lets out a scream that I have never heard before. And it wasn't a scream because he was hurt. It was just a scream just because he wanted to. And I saw all of your eyes turn to me, and I know what you were thinking. What is wrong with you? Why can't you get that kid to be quiet? That is very disruptive. I saw it, heard, I'm working on it. But in that moment, if I'm not attuned to myself and, and aware of my needs and the insecurities that I have, it could be very easy for me to make a quick decision. And typically that comes out of anger 
um, that would be very disruptive and, and harmful for my kid. And so if I'm not attuned to the fact that I was feeling embarrassed and I was feeling like I had a lack of competence, then that can, come, that can be the detriment of my child. So I would encourage you to first be attuned to yourself so that you can be attuned to your child. You want to be able to teach your child to see themselves, and you can do that by seeing yourself, okay? To not be ashamed for the way they feel, to see the way they feel. And I'll say this, that research shows that if you are accepting of your emotions and just where you're at, it causes significantly less psychological distress for you. Uh, so it is better for you to just accept where you're at. Not that it's a good thing, but just that you're there, that you're in the valley, as opposed to trying to either deny that you're there or to berate yourself because you're there in the first place. Okay, so once you attune to yourself, you can attune to your child or your, your coworker, your friend, uh, whoever is in your life that you can use this to. What are the deep needs that your child has? So I was working in the foster system about a year ago. Uh, and I had, uh, it, was, it was one of my first families. And when I walked through the door, um, the child began, the five-year-old kid, five-year-old boy, began just wailing on his mom, just punch after punch after punch. Uh, child with significant trauma, developmental trauma, had been removed from the home for a number of months. Uh, and as a counselor, it was very interesting, and I was, I was interested to learn more about why this kid's first response to me walking in the door was to throw punches at mom. Kind of, kind of weird. And so we had begun talking for, for quite a bit, and we began to discover that uh, the child had associated me with a child protection worker. So when he was removed from the home, uh, that worker took him out of the home, and so I was now associated with uh, the source of, that, of his pain. And so what he had learned in addition is that the only way to get attention in his home is to, to, do, to act out, to get negative attention, because any type of attention is better than no attention. Okay, and so what he had learned that the only way that he can get attention is to start punching mom. And as, as I began to talk with mom, we began to be inquisitive. Why, why is he punching me? Now, if we use the, the idea of attunement, what we began to discover is that it was the child's way of communicating to mom that he was so scared, that he just didn't want his mom to leave, that he was begging his mom to please don't let them take me away from you. And when you can begin to have that type of attunement into your kids, it increases your ability to have compassion, empathy, patience. Amen? Amen, parents? Hey, amen, yes. So can we be attuned to our children's needs? Can we be attuned to our grandchildren's needs, our coworkers' needs? Uh, the last thing, and I'll end with this, is that we think that oftentimes we put the pressure on ourselves to be perfect parents. Like we seem to have this equation in our head that if we do this a certain way, then it's automatically going to produce a certain, certain result, right? Um, and that's just not the case. Uh, and, and I'll use this for an example of God. So in the Garden of Eden, uh, Adam and Eve stand, and that, that was the most nurturing environment, uh, really, for anyone to survive in the, in the Garden of Eden. Um, but yet, we still screwed it up. And so if we can't create Gardens of Eden in our home. So there's nothing you can do to, to prevent your kids from walking uh, 
walking maybe down a road that you don't want them to. Um, there are some things that we just don't have control of. The kids are autonomous beings. They make their own decisions. And it's our job as parents to just provide a nurturing environment, an environment where the word of God is being taught so that they have the ability and the capacity to know what right and wrong is, to discern good from evil, and that they are able to walk in wisdom and they know what that is. But there's nothing that we can to do to force them to do that. And a perfect picture for, for how we can respond to our children's anxiety, depression, internal suffering, is exactly the picture of God walking us in the valley, right? We can't, we can't drag kids along. They have to, to want to do it for themselves. But we can walk alongside them by keeping the lines of communication open with our kids. Because if we don't keep the lines of communication open with our kids, they're going to be communicating with someone else, and they might be teaching them or showing them things that are contrary to God's word, okay? So I would encourage you to keep the lines of communication open in your home, practice attunement in your home, understand exactly what the motivation needs uh, and behaviors are, are signifying to you. What are they trying to really communicate with you? I feel like all the husbands should say amen, okay? So as I wrap up, I just want to encourage you that, um, like I said, you're not going to be a perfect parent. You're going to make mistakes. And here's another thing. Research does show that more psychological harm is done to a child when there is a lack of follow-up if you make a mistake. So meaning if I make a mistake, if I yell at my child, um, more psychological harm is done if I don't go and address what just happened, okay? Um, and just think about what you're showing your kid when you, when you go and you own up a mistake. You are modeling for him how to be a man of integrity or a woman of integrity, how to uh, respond to mistakes. Here's what you do because kids are going to make mistakes. They can't be perfect. So I'd encourage you, if you, when you make a mistake, model for them how to handle mistakes, okay? Okay. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. That was so good. I think we should have him teach a class for sure, right? <laughs> yes. As we wrap up today, I just want to take a few minutes and just pray for you as you are loving people in your world and pray for families today. Maybe you are going through a season, maybe your kids are struggling and maybe um, it's showing up in behavior and we need the power of the Holy Spirit for that attunement. That's the great thing about what, what Mike was sharing is that attunement, what's going on under the surface? You know who knows? Jesus. He always knows. He knows he searches our hearts and he searches our minds. He knows for us. He helps us see what's going on under the surface for ourselves. He knows the people that you love, what's going on underneath the surface for them. And he leads us into all truth. And he walks with us. And so we want to just pray for you today. I don't know what your family might be going through, but I know that it is really hard to go through seasons where people that you love are struggling. That's hard. It's hard when it goes on for a long time. And we want you to know that we are here to love and support you for as long as that takes. But also we are here to tell you there is hope. Jesus is so good at breathing new life into dead bones. He just is really good at it. And we believe that the power of the Holy Spirit is going to come into you and fill you with the energy that you're going to need to face the 
one more day and one more day and one more day of whatever struggle your family is going through. So why don't we bow our heads? Jesus, I come to you today so grateful that you walk through the valley with us. And Lord, I want to lift up every person here today that feels like they are in a valley of dry bones, that all the pieces are scattered around and they're looking at them thinking, there's no way this could all get put back together again. I thank you, Lord, that you are prophesying today that these bones will come back to life, that you will put together every bone, every muscle, every piece, and then you are going to breathe your life back into us. Lord, I specifically lift up those that are walking with family members through a season of struggle. Lord, I pray that you would pour into them overflowing, God, overflowing spirit, that the Holy Spirit would fill them up, God, that you would be breath in their lungs when they think they cannot face one more day of this, when they would think that they, can, they don't know what to do next, when the overwhelm feels bigger than what they can handle, I pray, God, that they would know that you are right there with them, that you are walking with them, that you are for them. I pray that you fill them up with strength and energy. Lord, I pray right now for divine connections with other people who have walked that same road that can stand with them and support them. I pray for divine connections to the right counselors, to the right groups, to the right support. Lord, you know everything that is needed. And we trust you. Lord, we believe today. We believe that you are able to do a good work. We trust you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.